0: Open they them away in the golden slipper there's a great start and Mick Bit Maskay on the extreme outside is about the first out juggler on the outside lunging but Catlan opening just in front Catlan trying desperately can't reach him Catlan opening has lost of the win the Doncaster buyer hit the juggler this Iron podcast Porsche is brought to you by Racing New South Wales Sky Racing and Inglis with a freakish rain event changing the profile of the Sydney Autumn Carnival The championships won't get underway until the 10th of April. Good luck to the trainers who now have to fine tune the work regimes of their horses to compensate the unavoidable change of dates. Day one of the championships will be well worth waiting for with group one highlights, the star Doncaster, the TJ Smith, the Australian Derby and the English Sires produce Stakes. The much anticipated half-million dollar New Haven Park Country Championship final will see the Bushies given their chance to strut their stuff on the big stage at Royal Roundwick on day one. Let's hope Sydney turns on her best autumn weather for the championships now commencing on the 10th and continuing through the 17th and the 24th of April. Day two will feature the Longines Queen Elizabeth Stakes, the Swep Sydney Cup, the Australasian Oaks, the Coolmore Legacy and the Polytrack Provincial Championship Final. The championships will wind up on the 24th with the Sweeps All Age Stakes and the & chandon Champagne Stakes. Racing New South Wales and the Australian Turf Club proudly present the Championships 2021. Tim Clark won his second Group 1 Coolmore Classic on the trot with a 10 out of 10 ride on the Queensland mare, Crone, on Saturday, March 13. He made full use of barrier one to be a little better than midfield to the turn before starting to search for a run, and he squeezed through the narrowest of gaps between in Ruby and Mizzy at the 200 metres mark, and Crone had the race won in a couple of strides. It was Tim's 159th stakes winner, and his 16th at Group 1 level since that rainy day at Gundagai in November 2003 when a gelding called Tactica gave him his very first win as a professional jockey. Raised on a farm between Young and Tamora, Tim was originally apprenticed to his great friend Peter Clancy at Leeton, but spent his final 18 months with John O'Shea at Randwick. In the years to follow, Tim Clark has furnished into the complete professional package. He's reliable, he's intensely professional and he's extremely likeable. Attributes that have earned him the respect of some of Australia's biggest stables. In choosing to base himself in Sydney, he's one of an army of talented jockeys, all competing for the limited number of choice rides available in every race. But when the right opportunity comes along, he grabs it with both hands as he did on Crone in the Coolmore. Tim and his fellow Sydney jockeys had a very rare Saturday off on March the 20th when the slipper meeting was called off. Tim's online from a rainy central coast in New South Wales and I've got to ask him, how did you spend your day away from the races? Yeah, well,
1: good day, John and um, yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on again it's lovely to talk to you again and yeah well it um <clears throat> it certainly was a a different a different feeling um obviously we were well aware of what was um forecast and and what potentially could happen so i guess it was it was a shock to nobody that they did have to postpone the races and yeah i just uh Turned the alarm off and rolled back over for a little bit longer, I guess, and then um, yeah, had a had a pretty cruisy day at home with um with Jade Nelly and, Ellie and uh, yeah, we just relaxed and didn't do too much at all.
0: Good on you, you deserve it. Now that mare of Tony Gollan's, Crone, has an interesting history. She started with Darren Weir, she went to Mick Price, then she went to Price and Kent, and finally to Tony Gollan. She's been good to you, mate. You've ridden her twice only. For two wins, a Group Two and a Group One. How did you get on her?
1: Yeah, definitely. She's um, she's obviously racing in great form. Tony's got her going extremely well. And um, look, he, he uh, they they rang up and, and contacted, or uh, well, contacted my manager, and um, you know about her about her running in the the guy Walter. And uh, yeah, just didn't didn't have anything really lined up there, so. No. Um, Thought that it, um, yeah, she was in coming off a, a big win at the Gold Coast, where she'd come from a long way back and mm. and really jumped out of the ground late. So um, took the opportunity to, to 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 take that ride, and mm. um, yeah, it's re- it's worked out really well. She was she was really good when winning. Um, the guy Walter just sort of sat back off a slow speed and and really sort of put them away comfortably on 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 ground which she probably preferred with a bit of sting out of it. And I guess that was a, a, a bit of a, um, a question mark going into the Cornwall that although there was a lot of rain forecast for that week as well, it didn't eventuate and the track got pretty firm. So mm-hmm. there was question marks on how if she was going to be able to perform quite as well on, on that sort of surface. But uh, I felt that she's probably she probably went even better um, you know, than, than her previous start. So it just goes to show how how good a form she's in and, you know, for her to, to win with 57 was a, a really big effort and mm. she um, put them away comfortably.
0: This time last year you enjoyed a great carnival with fillies and mares. You won a couple of group ones on Con to Patero, who was the surprise packet of last year's carnival. You won the Galaxy <clears throat> on David Pfeiffer's mare, I am excited, and you won stakes races on Missy Beale, and positive peace. Are you aware of your affinity with fillies and mares? You really seem to get on well with them.
1: Yeah, now no, you say it, 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 does sort of seem a bit that way. But um, yeah, I had, had a good association with Connie Batiro. She won the two Cormores last year, and obviously hoping um, Chrome can do something similar this year. And yeah, you know, and and probably not too dissimilar to them too in a way that um, probably lucky to that they. You know, Conti, she went to stud and, and didn't get in foal, so they put her back mm. in work, and, and I think, you know, Crone, she was heading for a broodmare sale as well, but they sort of pulled her out and decided to give her another crack, so mm. um, it just it's funny how sometimes it, it does work out, and um, thankfully for, for me, it, it worked out uh, good for, for me in this, this time.
0: Yep. Well, you're the youngest of six kids, four boys, two girls. And there are two jockeys in that lot. Your brother Brad rode his share of winners, Tim, before weight caught up, and he later became a jockey tutor in the Riverina. Is he still doing that?
1: Yeah, he still helps out, and um, like he, he's still fairly busy. He he still rides work, um, you know, six mornings, and um, he's got a he's got a job during the during the week, um, on the weekdays he. A uh, friend's got a, a shop that he goes and helps out at, and then mm. um, on the weekends, uh, if there's if there's races on in that area, he goes and um, helps out at the races. You know, I think he's worked behind the barriers. He's yeah, helps out the the apprentices. Yeah. And um, I think he, he's telling me even you know started a couple of races out at On tab there not long ago. So <laughs> he's a bit of a he's yeah. a bit of a jack of all trades.
0: He's versatile. As I mentioned, your first boss was Peter Clancy at Leeton, which is predominantly a trotting town. Uh, Pete and his late wife Nerida treated you like one of the family, and Tim, that must be so much better than being flung into a little room at a big city stable, where you're one of a number.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, Brad and I were both very lucky um, that we had Peter and Nerida to, to look after us, and I I guess it made that transition from moving from home that so much easier when you're going into another um an another another situation that that very much felt like a home so yeah it, it definitely made that that transition easier and um you know they really did look after us and uh yeah I've got great respect for for Pete and we still talk and um he actually come up and visited um, not that long ago. So, lovely. Yeah, we still have a very good relationship, and he's yeah, first to ring, isn't
0: he, Tim? Whenever you win a decent race, he's first on the phone.
1: Yeah, definitely. He's mm. um, he's always um, he takes. I think he takes a, a lot of pride in in following my career, and mm. and that um, it definitely you know on on sad days, if he if he's not at the races, he he tunes in, and I I think he gets a lot of satisfaction out of. If I do, if I do, um, yeah, get 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 a big winner.
0: Yeah, I mentioned in the intro that he trained your first winner at Gundagai, but he didn't train your first city winner. That came about twelve months later at a Canterbury night meeting, and I think it was a was it a mare, a little mare called Snippity Day.
1: Yeah, um, Neil Osborne, and um, mm. she's a she was a real fast fast filly, and um. <clears throat> Yeah, she she jumped and yeah pretty much just led all the way and uh, scooted around Canterbury and, and was able to hold on so mm. yeah it was obviously a, a big thrill to you know that them sort of little them goals are you know they're, they're very big big thrills when you you know you get your mm. first city winner and your, oh,
0: your yeah. first
1: Saturday winner or your, your first group winner and,
0: and those sorts didn't? of things yeah
1: they they definitely Milestones, are and, yeah uh, yeah it's um you know yeah, I did a lot of riding for Neil um you know around the Canberra Queen region and yeah. uh it was it was nice to to repay him with a city winner.
0: How did the transfer to John O'Shea materialize?
1: Um yeah, well I had um you know I had a couple of off stables that were sort of interested and and I was I was sort of weighing up between and um I just had a one one day, you know, one midweek meeting. I was down there because I was mm. still travelling, obviously from from Leeton at the time, and and just starting to do a little bit of uh, a writing. You know, I sort of ventured to the provincials um, and, and wrote a lot for the uh, late Beed Murray and yeah. had a bit of success for him. And then I was sort of starting to venture into the city and um, just yeah, one I I'd sort of really had my mind set up on. On going to a certain stable, and mm. um, and I had a I had a meeting with John O'Shea, and I don't think he had a runner on the day. I think he he come out to Canterbury just to just to see me and, and have a bit of a chat, and um, yeah, I just I like the the direction that he that he had for me, and and what he was going to be able to provide me with, and mm. yeah. The, the stability and and all that. So um you that's just sort of how yeah. it come about. Yeah, just uh, you know, he, he made the made the effort to come out and, and speak to me and mm. yeah, he, he had he's, he was a he was a good he was a good boss when I was um you know, I think to to come down and he, he didn't tie me down to only writing for him. I was able to write a bit of outside work and it mm. um I felt that it, it it was it was a good decision and it and it and it worked out
0: well. You got away to an absolute flyer in the city because you won the 2005-2006 Sydney Apprentices Premiership. That was beyond your wildest dreams at that time. I think you rode 33 city winners.
1: Yeah, I I, um, I moved to Sydney in, in February and was able to, to win the, the Premiership that, that year. But, um, it all happened pretty quickly and I, I guess – I was spotting the leaders a bit of a start, but I was able to reel them in, and you know, obviously, sort of started to ride a few winners, and, and everything sort of snowballed. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was obviously getting a lot of support from from all the big stables and mm. with the claim and and everything. So it's, uh, yeah, it really things things happened pretty quickly when I when I moved mm. to Sydney.
0: Your ability to ride light led you to a Group One winner. You were very surprised when Tim Martin asked you to go to Melbourne to ride Typhoon Z in the Oakley Plate, won by a great horse in Weekend Hustler. Now, you were unplaced in that particular race, but he did run a nice race nevertheless, and to your delight, he left you on him in Sydney. Yeah, that's
1: right. It was, you know, obviously the the Galaxy was probably more of a suitable race for him. and. you know, not not that I knew that I'd be able to stay on him, even though I I did go to Melbourne to ride him. But it was mm. obviously nice that I was able to to maintain the ride, and by going to Melbourne and riding him, you know, obviously helped secure that. So
0: yeah,
1: um, yeah. No, he was um yeah. He just it was a big thrill. Obviously, your, your first Group One winner. It's a it's a pretty memorable moment and a pretty exciting exciting um, times for sure. I was mm. still only. Still, only fairly fairly young as well, so it, um yeah it was it was something that I'll I'll never forget that that first one. It was a mm. I guess you start to yeah you know, I'm not sure how many rides I'd had in group ones before I was able to get my first winner, but you know you start riding in them a, a little bit, and um it, you know you're just desperate to desperate to win one, and mm. um it was a bit of a relief, I guess, as well to to be able to get that first one out of
0: the way. Around this time, you were the regular rider of a wonderful mare who remains one of your favourites to this day. Hot Danish won 16 races altogether. You rode her in 14 of them, and that included two Group 1s, an all age Stakes and a Doomben 10,000, and she won 11 other stakes races. Uh, brilliant, brilliant mayor. You loved her.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um wish I could find another one like her, that's for sure. Mm. She was um oh, she was just so honest too and she was a yeah, you a know, crowd favourite and uh yeah, you know, every every prep she'd she'd turn up and perform for us. Um yeah, no, she was you know, she was a special mayor and it was, you know, right at that I guess that time in my career, that bit of a transition from from apprentice to to senior, and you know, over that her career, she sort of helped take me to the, you know, to the next level. So, uh, yeah, I was obviously I was always um, used to love obviously love riding her, and she she filled me. You know, I had so much confidence when I when I did ride her, and mm. um, yeah, she was she was bloody bloody wonderful mare to me, that's for sure.
0: She had to have a dry track, Tim. Her brilliance uh, disappeared on a rain-affected track. I can remember her running in a couple of Doncasters and she loomed up to them coming up the rise. But when you let her down, as they say these days, the popular phrase, her wheels spun.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's, um, <clears throat> yeah, I've won the, I've won, um, the last two Cool and, you um, would have felt, you know, that uh, having such an associate, great association with her, that you know, surprising that she was never able to win one. But that was the same, with, you know, same as the Doncaster. She hit, she hit um, a couple of really heavy tracks in um, in the Coolmore and the Queen of the Turf, and and just got beaten in, in them. And you know, and then you know, obviously that time of the year around the autumn time, it generally is pretty pretty wet in Sydney as we're experiencing at the moment, and she just. Yeah, she just wasn't wasn't the same. Um, mm. She just couldn't couldn't accelerate on them, and um, uh, you know, ultimately, it, it did cost her winning a, a couple of extra group ones. But mm. she she did finally crack it and, and win a couple in a row, which was very fitting because she was yeah. uh, she was much deserving of of that mm. of that feat.
0: Her owners and her trainer Les Bridge were very saddened in two thousand and eleven when she succumbed. To a massive infection in a hind leg, she didn't respond to treatment, and she died in the Randwick Veterinary Centre. Uh, it was a sad moment for all concerned.
1: Yeah, it definitely was. Um, you know, you, uh, don't like to see see any of them, you know, any horses that were involved with, you know, go that way, and um, yeah, especially still at a at a young age. And she obviously had a you know, her racing career was fi- had finished, but you know, she was obviously going to be you know in, in high demand as as a broodmare, and um, yeah, it was sad sad to see her go go that way. That's for sure.
0: The Group One win to give your career an almighty boost was a Doncaster on Sacred Choice for Joe Pride in two thousand and eleven. Now you wanted rain, and you got rain. It was a heavy ten. And she was an absolute swimmer wasn't she
1: yeah she was um yeah one of the one of the better wetter, better wet trackers um, that's that I've ridden so mm. she yeah she um, you know I think that she was probably a a 20 to one chance uh, you know the day before and uh, come 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 race time she was she nearly started a favor I think so um, with with all the rain that was it was falling and she had, obviously had the lightweight too. And yeah, she just skipped over the ground and um, she was, she was far too good for him. And yeah, just, you know, got, got the perfect conditions, the conditions to suit her and, and, and probably didn't suit a few of the others. And yeah, she was able to um, uh, win, win quite comfortably. And yeah, you know, a, a race, that, um, you know, it's, it's probably one of my favorite, favorite wins at that, that Doncaster hmm. um, you know obviously it's it's not one of the majors but it's um it's it's a pretty iconic race and
0: yeah
1: um yeah to to have that trophy on the on well, the mantelpiece is pretty cool
0: it's worth 3 million dollars nowadays tim that'll do me for a major
1: yeah that's right it's um you know yeah one of the, the best the best um, mile handicaps we've got in in the country
0: Yeah, with wonderful history. Well, your profile was pretty high after hot Danish and sacred choice and you felt the time was right to give the international scene a serious crack. You spent two seasons in Hong Kong, during which time you rode 58 winners, including a Group 1, against the world's hottest opposition. You'd have to come home well satisfied with your performance, I'd think.
1: Yeah, obviously it's um, – look, I, I guess that the opportunity was there. Um, you know, they, they come, come and inquired, and, you know, you go through the, the process of applying and, and all that. And, look, you know, I really – I enjoyed my time in Hong Kong and, um, you know, I thought, you know, I did I did well over there and and learned, learned a lot. Um, by doing that whether you know I was probably um, I was probably a a bit young when I when I did go over there so Mm. um, you know I feel that you know maybe if I went when I was a little bit older and yeah possibly I may have done a little bit better but it's one of those things where you're not sure whether that opportunity is going to arise again later on so um, uh, I, I took it with with both hands and went over there and gave it the best best I could and yeah I was happy with how it all how it all sort of worked out and mm. um I guess to to get a group 1 over there you know, I think you know a domestic group 1 um it was sort of probably the 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 cherry on top that yeah and and sort of after that I you know I was it was never sort of probably going to be a, a long term thing for me and mm. um it was, it was sort of later that year that I decided to, um, to come back home. Mm. Um, it, was, it was going to be the best thing for myself and my family, so yeah. um, we'd come back and, and settle back in, in, we're in the Central Coast.
0: Mm. Well, back in Sydney, you needed a nice horse to regenerate your career at home and you got one courtesy of your old mate, Les Bridge. It was a mare called Avoid Lightning who was by a derby winner in Blevick, but she was an out and out sprinter. You won four stakes races on Avoid Lightning a birthday card, a Niverson, a June stakes, and a Sapphire stakes. She was pretty good in the wet too, wasn't she?
1: Yeah, she was a good, good little wet tracker. Um, she, she'd come to Les, um, you know, mid, midway through her career, she'd had a, I think she'd won sort of seven of the first eight or seven of the first 10 and she sort of form and dropped off a little bit. But, um, yeah, she wasn't much to look at. She had a bit of a, she had a big sway back and, um, but she was really honest, honest little thing and tried really hard and, and, and yeah, loved, loved a bit of cutting the track. And, uh, she wasn't quite able to get a group one. She was group one place a couple of times, um, in the Tats Tiara. So she ran a second and a third in, in a in a couple of tats tiaras, so um, yeah, she was she was a good mare, and um, yeah, she was yeah yeah you know, you know Les has always he's always had a had a good good horse in his stable, and and at, at that time she was it.
0: It wasn't until 2016 that you rode in Perth for the first time. Gary Moore got you to go over to ride Takedown in the Group One. Winterbottom stakes, and you got the money. Have you ever ridden a bigger horse than Takedown?
1: Down? Um, no, he um, yeah, they don't come much bigger than him. He mm. was um, a, a gentle giant, though. So he was mm. luckily um, he was able to. Um, yeah, he didn't worry about too many things. He was he was a really kind horse to ride, and um, funny that he was you know was such so. Fast for such a big horse, you know he was he was light on his feet, and mm. uh, you know looking at him, you'd think he a he'd be a you know, ten furlong horse possibly or further, a bit of a one big one pace thing. But mm. um, he was actually a really sharp horse and said really light on his feet and quick. And oh, uh, he had a he he had a really good good career. Um, you know, he I think he wanna he, uh, he 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 might have wanna Black Opals a two year old, and hmm. you know, then and obviously trained on, um, you know, he won a Gold Coast Guineas, and yeah, then he went to to Perth, and then we we went back to Hong Kong with him as well. And yes. um, I guess not not the biggest group one that I've won, but hmm. uh, one of them one of the more fun ones, that's for sure, with Gary Gary celebrating and oh yeah, um,
0: what did he do it, on the it, day? It did he um, did he run out onto the track?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was out on the track and yeah, yahooing and oh yeah. So I lucky he was. Um, he was pretty quiet. Takedown. So luckily, because uh, yeah, I think every time we won, in Gaz would be running out on the track and spooking but, um, him. It was good. It was good. It was definitely yeah. It was probably the the most fun I've had winning in Group One.
0: Yeah, your first of two wins in the famous Flight Stakes. Was on a free-running filly called a Global Glamour, who was raced by a syndicate of girls, and of course trained by Gay. She was a good leader, Tim.
1: She was um, a good mare and, and tough, like mm. you know, you know, obviously typical of uh, you know one of Gay's horses. And but yeah, wouldn't find many tougher mares than her. She. um she went to you know, she was a magic moons horse and so you know, she'd have autumn into spring into the magic moons and back up into the autumn. She was um mm. really she was a resilient mare and um she was very good, very mm. good on her day. So she she won the flight stakes comfortably and then she went and backed it up seven days later and mm. um she won a thousand a thousand guineas. So mm. um, You
0: didn't get to ride her in Melbourne though, did you? <laughs>
1: no i didn't go didn't go right i was um, mm. she had commitments in sydney the the week later so yeah. but uh, you know she was um yeah she was a really really good tough filly that um, you know had a, had a good cruising speed had a, a, and she could really run a run a ride was the ground so mm. yeah she was um she was a good filly
0: The Riverside Selling Auditorium will be buzzing on the 6th and 7th of April when the world famous English Easter Yearling Sale will capture the spotlight. 466 yearlings will be offered, including siblings to 161 stakes winners. The progeny of 169 stakes winning mares will go under the hammer, while the list of stallions represented over the two days will appease the hardest marker. Sentimentalists will pay particular attention to the final draft of the legendary Redouche Choice, who died at Arrowfield Stud in 2019. Speaking of Arrowfield, the famous stud tops the Vendor numbers with 49, ahead of Coolmore with 40, Widden with 28, Sejunho 23, and Yarriman Park 22. English Easter acquisitions in recent years include the Autumn Sun, Exceedance, Loving Gabby, Merchant Navy, Esther Jarb, Trapeze Artist, Russian Revolution and the Oaks winner Personal. The countdown has begun for one of the world's greatest thoroughbred auctions, the 2021 English Easter Sale. Two years later, you won the flight stakes again, this time in one of the tightest finishes in the history of the race. You flashed over the line with Fiesta, Nikita Jane and Miss Fabulas. Uh, Nikita Jane, sadly, has passed on. Miss Fabulas has been retired to the stud and Fiesta went on to do a terrific job. They were good mares, but Uhud got there by a whisker and the finish had everybody guessing. Did you have any idea? Uh, yeah, I was
1: quietly confident. I thought I'd just got there. Um she, um, well, that was her only, the only race that she won, actually, so, um. Yeah. Yeah, she, it was, um, obviously an important one. She was, she was placed in the slipper mm. and, and the size. She just got beat in both of them. And
0: Yeah, she placed, um, placed in the blue diamond.
1: Yeah, so and, she was obviously a very good two-year-old.
0: And a Caulfield Guinness, Tim.
1: Yeah. Thank goodness
0: and, she won a group one.
1: Yeah, she finally cracked it for a win and, and uh. They don't come any better than that. When you win a group one, it you only you only win. So no. I would sort of actually targeted to get, try and get on her. Zach had ridden her, come out from Hong Kong and ridden her in the slipper of the size, and mm. um, I had a good relationship with the McAvoy's. And um, I kicked up to, to ride her that preparation, and um, <clears throat> she was she'd ran okay in a in lead up in a lead up runs, but um, yeah, they had a spot on for the flight stakes and. Uh, she was able to, to stick her head out and just get the win on that, that day.
0: You've developed a reputation as a master rider of front runners, possibly influenced early on by Gay Waterhouse, who loves her horses to be either in front or on the pace. And your theory is a simple one. You told me once that by being in front, you take the bad luck out of the equation and you're free to concentrate on rating your horse to the best advantage. You've won a stack of races in the last couple of years on leaders.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, obviously I, I ride a lot for gay and Adrian and you know, as you said, you know, it's no secret as to how how they like their horses ridden. So um you know, one, I, I get a lot of practice doing it. Um, so therefore, you know, I feel that i you know over the time I've been able to sort of uh, you know develop a a good uh, a good idea of of how to how to rate them and and you know their horses are, are very fit and it, it makes makes my job pretty easy really to um, to get them out and running and just rate them so that they they can they can still finish their races off so um, I, I find that um, sometimes leaders they try and go a bit too slow i think that's probably i've always said that's probably the worst thing mm. that that you can probably do on a leader and um yeah so i like you know you try and find that sort of bit of a happy medium where mm. you're going fast enough that that nothing's going to come up and attack you yeah but yet you're still not going too fast so that you've got a uh, you've got, got a bit of petrol in the tank for for when it counts so Mm. It's just finding that sort of happy medium, and um, yeah, it seems to uh, it seems to work. It seems to work all right for me.
0: Mm, certainly does. No wonder you got on so well with Doubt, a horse who loved to bowl along, and he won many of his races in front. I think he's won ten altogether. Now you and Doubt combined to win a Canberra Cup. Then you won a Group One on him, the Wink Stakes, followed by the Group 2 Chelmsford Stakes. Sadly, he's got a tendon issue currently, and I think he's under a cloud, isn't he? Any idea how he's going?
1: Um, well, he's just come back. So mm. he's um, he had his first up run a couple of weeks ago, and he's due to race again in the George Ryder. So, um, yeah, it was you know it was unfortunate that he did suffer that injury because it's always, obviously, they do find it hard to come back from. To, you know and, and you know, when you're racing at such a high level, you know, group one weight for age racing, it doesn't get any doesn't get any harder. So you need to be one hundred percent and hopefully hopefully you can get back to that level. But yeah, he um he it was a bit of a meteoric rise for him really. He was you know, a Canberra cup and mm. uh you know he comfortably but sort of that was seem to be his, his level at the time and and then um, he returned the next preparation and uh, bjorn had a had a very uh, a clear idea of of what he wanted to do and really um, had him really hard fit ready to go first up in the winks knowing that um, there was probably going to be a field of uh, not a big field and and you know a lot of stays resuming and and not not sort of being Fully wound up, so uh, mm. really had him really forward and um, made sure that uh, you know to, to make sure we could we could take full full use of the opportunity of trying to win a Group One on a on a hard fit horse that, who was going to make his own luck on speed and mm. um, yeah he he sort of really ran him into the ground that day and then he, he backed it up two weeks later it was probably even more dominant when he won
0: the Chelmsford. Won mm. the
1: challenge, for he brained them that day. And mm. he, he's a horse. He he needs it. He needs it pretty firm, though. He yeah, um, yeah. he doesn't like too much cutting the ground. And he is. Um, I think every race he's won, he's won from the front. So mm. he's got a few little little things he needs to to fall into place. But um, on them on them couple of occasions, mm. he uh, he he got that, and he was he showed you know how how good he was.
0: And what about the Tim Clark style, which has become Your trademark in the last couple of years. You crouch very low behind their necks, I think lower than the majority of jockeys. And in a really tight finish, we'll often see you put your hands right up behind their ears and push their head forward and outwards in a close finish. And I'm sure you've noticed William Pike does exactly the same thing, Tim.
1: Yeah, I think it's just, yeah, everyone has their their own perception of how they can just try and get that little bit of extra out of them over the concluding stages and they work on different things and that sort of – that's just sort of something that, that works for me. I feel comfortable with and, um, you, know, I've, you know, I feel I can keep them balanced and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So, mm. yeah, it's not something that I've sort of modelled off anyone, so to speak, but it's just something that – I feel works for me and it's just just trying something to get that, that little bit extra out of them and, um, you know, if I can, you know, sometimes it doesn't need to be too much extra to mm. to make the difference from winning or losing.
0: Mm. You mentioned Bjorn Baker a moment ago in reference to Sam Adout. He's been a very strong Tim Clark supporter, hasn't he? He keeps coming back.
1: Yeah, he's a good man, Bjorn, and he's um, he's really uh, you know you know it's coming through the training ranks, and um, you know he's building up a big team. He's getting obviously getting better quality horses, and I think that um, you know in in years to come, uh, you know he's going to be one of the one of the leading trainers in Sydney. So mm-hmm. it's nice to have an association with him. As he's coming through, and hopefully, um, that can sort of continue on when he, um, if he, you know, continues to grow his stable and, and get bigger and stronger. Mm.
0: It's fairly well documented that your wife Jade is the sister of fellow jockey Josh Parr. That means your father-in-law is former jockey Stephen Parr. I imagine racing would be the main topic of conversation. When there's a family barbecue happening,
1: yeah, um, racing and and football that's that's sort of they're the main the main couple of talking points, but mm-hmm. yeah, obviously um, it hasn't been able to you know with what's happened over the last twelve months get to the race as much, but Steve often um, he'll often come to the races with Josh and I and um, on a on a weekend and watch us. obviously, as I said, he hasn't been able to do that for a little while now but um hopefully in the in the near future he can get back and yeah he, he loves obviously first and foremost, obviously started obviously following following Josh and and now that um yeah I'm part of the family he's got he's got another one to, to watch and uh, they're obviously very very close family and, and very supportive so it's good to um good to good to have him um in your corner.
0: Well, you and Jade have an eleven-year-old daughter, Ellie, uh, who was only a baby when you went to Hong Kong. I think she was about eighteen months old. So It was a big job for Jade.
1: Yeah, that's right. She, um, yeah, she's uh, our, our only one, and um, yeah, she's growing up too quickly, John. And mm. uh, she's eleven now, so it does time does go pretty quickly. And um, but she's. Uh, she's uh, she's going extremely well and she's very very active and um loves her loves her animals and she actually got a got a pony um recently so mm. she's um she's going really well and uh they're both very you know my biggest supporters and they they don't often come to the races but uh they're they're always uh cheering cheering from the lounge room and yeah, and, um, yeah they're they're my, my two biggest supporters by far.
0: Mm. Well, you choose to live on the Central Coast and you must have a bit of ground there, have you? Because I can recall ringing you one day and I'm sure you were out on the tractor at the first attempt.
1: Um, yeah, we're sort of on a little bit of acreage here, so, mm. uh, which is nice. It's it's nice to um, – you know, it's pretty quiet and, and peaceful, so uh, – you know, and, and bit, plenty of room for for everyone. So, yeah, I I enjoy just having that little bit of little bit of extra space. Obviously, going up on the farm and, mm. and that, and um, although I you know I adapted to you know when when I was in Hong Kong and and Sydney and that, but um, I enjoy having that little bit of peace and quiet as well. It's a mm. it's a great little area where we're at, and um, very fortunate that we can. We can have this
0: lifestyle in an era of heavy jockeys, and goodness knows some of them do it tough. You're one of the chosen few who can ride light. Given notice, you could probably manage what fifty-three.
1: Yeah, um, um, I am extremely lucky in that situation. I, yeah, um, I you know, I, can, I see first hand, and uh, you know, Josh is one in that in the opposite end of the the opposite end of the. The system where he's yeah you know, he struggles with his weight a bit and um but yeah I'm very fortunate in that sense that you know I I don't really have to waste too hard for just the normal sort of fifty four um, rides but um, yeah with a bit of notice I can I can get down to you know 50, 52 or even fifty one mm-hmm. if if um I guess if it's the right opportunity too you don't want to be doing it for. Um, You know, all the time, or for for something that's that you um, don't have a lot of faith in. But um, yeah, I've I've ridden fifty-one a few times over the last few years, so it's Mm. um, it's something that I can can get to if if need be. Mm.
0: Well, this time last year, you were winning these races left, right, and centre. How does the book look? Uh, for this current autumn carnival and in particular the championships, you mentioned Crone will be running in a Group One, the Coolmore Legacy Stakes. <clears throat> She'll be a nice ride.
1: Yeah, obviously she um, she's put a hand up, and, and, and especially you know like a bit of rain about rain affected tracks won't hurt her. So mm-hmm. she's definitely one of the the main ones I'm I'm looking forward to, and hopefully she can do the the double that. That Conte Batiro did last year—that'd be that'd be a great result for everyone, and um, obviously that association with with Gain Adrian, um, you know, they're always very strong, you know, in these in these big races over the Carnival. Um, Bjorn is another one that, obviously, as you spoke about, that um, I'll, I'll be hoping to get some good support from, and um, obviously Peltzer, um, he. Uh, his last two runs have been a bit, little bit below par, but uh, I feel that you know when he gets back to Randwick and he can get a soft track, mm-hmm. it, you might see a big turnaround from him as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a few irons in the fire without getting too carried away, John. But hopefully, yeah. um, hopefully that uh, a couple of them can put their hand up and and go to a new level over the over the coming months.
0: Now the theory that Pilcher He's a far better horse at Roundwick than he is anywhere else. Is that a fallacy or are you starting to think along those lines?
1: Um, well, I think that um, statistics don't lie, I guess. And No. I think he's uh, he's five from six at Roundwick and none from four at Rose Hill. So um, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but... Um, yeah. He, he definitely does seem to enjoy racing at Randwick more so than at Rose Hill and mm. generally uh, he probably gets that little bit of little bit more given the ground at, at ramwick as well, which he he does enjoy you know a, a lot of the breed the so You thinks they do mm. they do tend to to relish um, soft ground so mm. yeah you know, I think that you know when he gets back to Ranwick on a, on a soft track he he could definitely turn his form back around because he mm. was one impressively first up, so hopefully, yeah, yeah he's another one that, um, you know, there's there'll be some, there'll be plenty of options for him anyway in the in the near future.
0: Reminiscent of the great Queensland sprinter Chief De Beers, <laughs> who built up an unbelievable record at Doomben.
1: Yeah, I, I actually brought bought his name up when you know speaking with Gerald uh, about it recently. Mm. Um, I wasn't sure. I knew that it was one track that he had a a, a great association with, a great yeah. affinity with. But, um, and we're just discussing, you know, how, yeah, he he rattled off a, f- a few more names as well, Gerald. So, mm. uh, it, yeah, I don't know. It's probably never know why, and it you can't <laughs> explain it, but it it's just something that is, yeah, it is it is what it is. Um, yeah, you know, you try different things with them, and you know, you take them for folk trips and. Trying to trick them, yeah. trick them into thinking they're going somewhere. But um, at the end of the day, yeah, his record at Rosehill isn't quite as isn't quite as good as um, hmm. uh, Ramwick, That's for know? sure.
0: Well, if he wins a couple more at headquarters, you can start calling him chief.
1: Yeah, that's right. Hopefully, he's, hopefully he can rack up a, a few more, yeah. a few more wins for us.
0: You're held in high regard, Tim, in all sections of the industry. And your record is a very distinguished one uh, among an army of wonderful jockeys here in Sydney. You're on the crest of your best years, mate, onwards and upwards. And thanks for giving us your time on the podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Great to talk.
1: Thanks, John. It's been a pleasure and um, hopefully we'll catch up again soon.